episode 21, I believe, uh, of the Fuzz Club. We're talking about Fairy Rings Weary Traveler. Came out in April of this year on King Volume. And uh, Todd White of King Volume was, was nice enough to hook us up with some vinyl to listen to going into this. So uh, appreciate that, King Volume and, and, and Todd White there. So before we get going, let's do some quick intros and we'll roll. Blake, you want to kick it off? Yeah, I'm Blake from IWAS. Rob? Uh, Rob from Hastronaut. Eddie? I'm Eddie from Lords of the Opium Church and the Endless. Right on. So, um, Weary Traveler from Fairy Ring. This is their second album. These dudes are from Indiana, like Evansville, Indiana, I think. So some Midwesterners, um, fellow Midwesterners. Um, I got a video from James Walwork, their lead guitarist and uh, vocalist. Uh, vocalist, and I don't know if he's a lead guitarist. He's a guitarist, I guess I should uh, I should say. Um, but I'll play that for you. It gives a little bit of insight into the band and the album and all that kind of stuff. It was cool. So thanks, James, for sending that to us. And um, maybe that'll kick things off for us a little bit. So. Heck yeah. Oops. Hey, guys. This is James from Fairy Ring. Nice to see you. Here to talk with you about the new Weary Traveler album that we're so excited to share with you guys. So uh, here it is. So a little bit about Fairy Ring as a band. We're four guys that come from like punk and hardcore. Where being an individual, being original is utmost importance. It's vital to us. It's crucial. It can't be generic. We have to do our thing our way. And that is like what has basically led us to doing Weary Traveler, you know, in the studio that we chose it to do it in and in the style that we did it in and all of that. So we were striving to like achieve the glory of rock, like, you know, ultimate rock. Weary Traveler to me is like a chance to write some fantasy drenched poetry in a way that can, people can relate to lyrically isn't very complicated you know but sonically has to make sense with the rest of the music so i hear that there's some gearheads around the slightly fuzzed community so i must indulge just a little bit about like the nitty-gritty details of you know what we brought to Postal in Indianapolis. Um, me and Kyle, the other guitarist in Fairy Ring, both use first-generation Sun Model Ts. It's a given, you know, it's the best fucking amp of all time. They're worth the hype. If you don't got one, you wish you did. If you're recording a tape, you know, using the best amps of all time, it's kind of hard to get a shitty tone. Personally, I like playing a really cheap guitar through a really nice amp just to prove a point that it really is all in the amp. If you wanted to get into the nitty gritty of things like knowing what pedals I'm running or even some of the riffs I'm playing, I made a YouTube playthrough of the song Lover. If you type it in on YouTube, I'm sure you'll find it. And if you do see my ugly mug on there, don't forget to like and subscribe, you fuckers. Well, anyway, Slightly Fuzzed, thank you for letting me chat, and I hope to do a more personal conversation. And uh, if you have any more insights, feel free to ask, and uh, play guitar and ride a bike, and let one rip.
Take it easy. <laughs> that was awesome. That was like above and beyond what I I was hoping for from him. So you know, shout out to to you guys from Fairy Ring and James specifically for, for putting all that together and giving us some, some details. Um, he he a, might make a, a good a fun, way, fun way to kick it off right there. Yeah, that was awesome. He might make a good addition to the Fuzz Club at some point. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we got to get that dude on here for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what do you guys think about this album uh, after seeing that kind of stuff and getting some insight from James? So I had I had two thoughts uh, from that video. One, it made 100% sense to me that they come from punk and hardcore listening to this. Um, there, there's a melodic uh, structure to Fairy Ring. Um, it's one of the things I like most about this album, <clears throat> that you can hear certain punk elements to it. I, I know not necessarily everyone associates melodic natures with uh, punk, but... I mean, they're, they're catchy songs. Um, and uh, the second one was, I've got to kick this over to Rob about, uh, is the Sun Model T first generation the best amp? I mean, I do. We, we definitely caught eyes as soon as you started talking. To me. <laughs> um, I'm, personally, I'm a second generation Model T guy. I love the red knobs, the, the mid control. It's I'm, I'm a second generation guy. But any Model T is a good model. Even the Fender reissues are amazing. If you can get your hands on one, definitely do so. Um, is it the best amp? I mean, it. You know, that's a that's a, it's a tough question for for this kind of stuff. If I was playing guitar in the band Fairy Ring, I would want a Sun Model T for sure. Yeah, you know, it's the for what they're going for for that like monsters of rock like seventies vibe. Like you know that yeah, absolutely. It's it's it, the amp was made specifically for that sound, so you, you're not going to beat it. Yeah. yeah, I was watching a live video on YouTube of them last night, and I seen her playing those sun amps, and I was like, "Yeah, that all makes sense now." Like the sound. Oh yeah, yeah. you oh, could hear it yeah, immediately. Yeah, I would have guessed orange or sun. Yeah. Sorry, Ryan, for the gear diversion. No, I'm <laughs> glad you guys can can roll with that because I can't. I wouldn't know the fucking <laughs> first thing about any oh, of it. Oh man, I could I could go on for. The whole episode, I could talk about Sun Model T's. Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought it was cool that they're talking about, I mean, it goes back to the punk ethos that they they clearly hold very valuable to them, that they play cheap guitars out of nice amps. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, personally, none of my guitars are, are that expensive. You know, I play, like, mid to low-priced guitars. So, you know, I, yeah. I jive with that. Like, my first album was recorded on a Schecter that I got when I was 15, you know? Nice. There you go. So I I really dig that ethos that they're they're talking. Yeah, absolutely. But like the the other side of the coin is they are going into a Sun Model T and like in my band we play mad amps and like you know you just put a mad amp on top of a full stack and people in the crowd immediately you know it, it's a very gear centric genre. Mm -hmm. So to go out, that's you know that's just pulling huge dick out on stage and just slapping it on the table. You know, like people. <laughs> It's, you know, and there's two sides to that coin, even because now people are going to have expectations. You know, you better be able to, if you're going to put a Sun Model T on that stage, you better be playing $5,000 worth of fucking riffs, you know? I mean, I've got a Laney in the background. Eddie's got a Mesa Boogie dual rack in the background. Oh, yeah. Their dual rack. That's a Mesa 400 plus bass amp. Yeah. And a that's, a, that's a meaty bastard right there. Yeah. It's like 500 watts. Heck yeah. Not enough. 
<laughs> it never is. It never is. No. So uh, one of the other things that he kind of alluded to in there was just kind of like some experimentation stuff that they like doing and, and the amps kind of play into that and stuff. But just from their Bandcamp uh, page, I thought it was kind of interesting and I'll just share a little bit of it. But um, let's see where to start here. Weary Traveler is a marked step forward in the band's songwriting and recording process. Um, Traveler delivers a coordinated, deliberate buffet of cohesive songs, meticulously written, blah, blah, blah. Um, just as important was the being professionally recorded at Postal Recording Studio um, by Alex Kercheval um, of the legendary rock band Coven. And under his guidance, the band recorded directly to tape, took numerous, numerous opportunities to experiment in the studio. And to that point, um, beginning a lover, one of our singles, we have a section that sounds like it's coming through the radio. Alex did this by broadcasting the raw tape tracks over AM radio, then recording the radio dialed it in and bounced that through a series of outbound preamps for about 15 seconds. It was amazing. Experimentation was a key part of the creative process in Weary Traveler. Silver Man in the Sky, another single, the band wanted the sound, uh, wanted the sound of an anvil. So they took an iron skillet, which the band wound up cooking with a few hours later, into the recording booth and uh, bashed it with a hammer in front of a $20,000 Telefunken microphone. Kyle recalls there was a moment in the song um, where we were sending a signal from the Steinway piano worth more than my house through a death by audio fuzz delay in a Sun Model T. I felt like the mad scientist. So awesome. Yeah, a little more insight. I thought that was cool. All of it seems pretty cool. Just experimenting and recording that way. It was I mean, something I was going to mention was it does sound like it was recorded to tape. Yeah, I didn't. I'm. I didn't get the the. Or, I haven't listened to it on vinyl yet. Um, I've just been you know streaming on Spotify and stuff. Um, but like it does have that like. You know it. it I I wasn't sure if it was like an emulation or what. It's studio. The studio stuff is that. That's the where my gear knowledge kind of tapers off. Um, but it did. Say, it had that like, you know, for lack of a better word, like vintage vibe. You know, that's yeah, that warm sound. That that yeah. That full. Yeah, the difference between a tube amp and a solid state amp. It's not really anything tangible, but it's something. You but know? if you like, know, you know. Right, right. And that's kind of what the album had that like warm tube feel of just, you know, like it sounded like a Thin Lizzy record, you know, or something like that, yeah. where I had that, you could tell it just sounded like tape, you know. Yeah. A lot of recordings nowadays, you know, you get like, there's no decay on your notes and everything's so digitized and clean. And, you know, that just, it sounded raw and definitely experimental and you know finding out that they did things like hitting you know skillets with mallets that doesn't surprise me at all the album is experimental is probably be the adjective i would use to describe it most honestly even within the genre it's very experimental that that's one of the things that uh i i liked about this album a lot and i like it even more now that i have that background information 100 percent um because i mean I think Ryan, you and I were talking about this last night. Like one of the things I'm always looking for in new music, new bands or bands that have been around for a while and are just still putting out new music is innovation. You know, I'm looking for don't just rehash something or don't just say, I love these bands. So I'm going to try and sound like these bands instead, like put your own twist, try some fucked up shit, you know? Mm -hmm do do the wrong things and see what happens that's what makes this like a really 
interesting like combination of those two completely separate ideas of being like experimental and do, trying some weird things, plugging a bad guitar into a good amp or, or whatever it is, bashing a, a pan or whatever. But there, there's also like the side of them that's clearly influenced by everything that's already been done, like from the logo yes. and the album art to the like kind of Sabbath sound to like old equipment. Like it's clearly this nod to a different era while also just trying whatever they want at the same time, which I think is why, why it works. It's, it's easy to get lost in that aesthetic. And I think that's what the, they do. They do a good job of like still being themselves because it's real easy to be like, oh, we're f called Fairy Ring and we're all going to wear costumes. And, you know, I see a lot of bands doing that. And it's cool to lean into your aesthetic, but, you know, you lose a little bit of yourself when you're doing that. You know, when you're, you, when you, you, dra you're got big lamb chops and a leather vest and you got your bell bottoms on. And yeah, I know, I get, we get it. You're going for a 70s vibe, but you're, you're going to lose a little bit of yourself. And it's, and I think that's, you know, probably that punk and hardcore influence on them. Like he said, like, you know, being ourselves is, you know, key and that's a priority for them. And you can tell, you can hear it in the music, you know? Yeah. You can see on their live videos too on YouTube. I was watching, like, and they're really like enjoying themselves on stage and yeah, exactly. Doing their own thing. They don't really care about their own things. Really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some of their live stuff act and, and in general, there are certain elements of their stuff that reminded me of a band that we covered way back when this all started of rickshaw billy's uh, burger patrol mm. I, I think that like on a surface level you'd be like those two bands have nothing in common at all sure yeah. um but there's a playfulness um in yeah. in both bands that extends beyond just the music and, and just kind of their their ethos and their their vibe their look their everything um so that that was something that i actually found kind of kind of cool you know, because especially in like the stoner doom world and especially like you show up and you set up and you got your Sun Model T's or your Mad MGT 120s or whatever. And everyone's like, all right, they're going to be wearing black shirts. They're going to be wearing blue or black jeans. Uh, they're going to have beards and long hair or beards and no hair. <laughs> um, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah. One day. One day you will join our ranks. Um <laughs> Well, but, it's easy. It's easy to not experiment when you have all that going for you already, it, and it, to yeah. get lost in the '70s or whatever, and in all the aesthetic ways, whether it's the album art or your clothes or whatever, it's easy to like not experiment because you why why would we need to? We're a retro band. We're doing something you know that clearly people already know what to expect here. So it's easy to just not experiment, and the fact that they do want to keep trying different stuff and shit is like. I respect yeah. that. It's and cool. that recording through the radio thing, like that's that's really cool. Like I'm sure they could have very easily downloaded some sort of plugin for their DAW and Plenty one click they could have done it, you know. Exactly. Yeah. But the fact that they, you know, took it upon themselves to do it like the old school way, like again, just nods back to that punk rock mentality of just DIY. You know, Exactly. We're just going to do it with what we got and, but like, you know, do it in a cool way that still is aesthetically pleasing. Cause I feel like, you know, that's kind of the other side of the punk aesthetic is it's, it doesn't really serve the consumer as much. It's more just like, eh, fuck it. We're punk. Bleh, you know, mm -hmm. we're like, they're still putting out a very polished, very solid product while like doing it in a very DIY punk rock kind of way. Yeah, I and and I mean I I think especially because I don't know I I'm guessing Rob you come from hardcore right yeah yeah so I come from punk before metal it was punk and black metal for me when I was like 12 13 yeah I was a New York City hardcore kid yeah 
that makes sense. <laughs> but but I, I just love hearing stories about that. Like it'll take an album that you know if I if I was enjoying it but not you know super sold on it. If I hear stories like that, I'm immediately going to be much more enthusiastic about not only taking another listen, um, but about appreciating the finer details. And that that's what I'm looking for in music. I, yeah. I'm looking for, for something that I can pick apart and hear a ton of shit. Yeah. yeah. I, find, I find the vocals are, like they stand out a lot compared to everything to me. Just the the effect they have on there and the, the style that he's singing. It's that, that was honestly that was kind of my one bugaboo with the record was the vocals. I felt like everything was super cohesive and the vocals themselves aren't done poorly or anything. It's just I found myself every time that there wasn't vocals for a while and then there, the vocals would start. I would be like, oh whoa, what's that? Like it was kind of. But yeah. then after a line or two, it kind of it settles back in. But it was it did seem like you know almost kind of like they got recorded separately and then just put together. I don't know. I, it, not, not even that it was like anything negative about the album. It was just, it was just kind of the one thing where like, like I said, if, if a couple minutes would go by and it was just instrumental, I'd be like really getting into it. And then vocals would come and it would kind of take me off guard a little bit. So for me, here's how I, I kind of thought of the vocals because I, I had a similar initial reaction when I, when I first heard it. But kind of harking back to what you just said, though, about like the more you learn about how things come about, yeah. the more you understand it. And that's kind of, I have a different perspective immediately. Well, and for me, I, I, was, I was talking with Ryan about this before, before we started recording. Uh, essentially, what I hear when I listen to Fairy Ring is like Dio era Sabbath instrumental, but with Ozzy era Sabbath vocals. Okay. All right. I can see that. And so, and, and like, I mean, I don't like Dio era Sabbath because I fucking hate Dio. <laughs> I think that Tony Iommi and Bill Ward and Geezer Butler on Heaven and Hell arguably did some of their finest work. So it's not a diss on, on Fairy Ring when I say that, but fuck Dio. Uh, <laughs> but, That's how you really feel. Yeah. Uh, so... In a way, I, I heard that and I was like, huh, this is this is this is strange. This is a strange combination. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh wait, what is the one thing that I would have changed about Heaven and Hell? And that's put Ozzy on vocals instead of Dio. Yeah. Um, and so something that initially I was like, I struggled a little bit with in terms of kind of like you were saying, Rob, that kind of difference. In, yeah. in terms of the the instrumentation and the vocals, I think it comes from that. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, like 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 I was saying, like learning how they're experimenting like that and doing strange things, it makes a little bit more sense. And like even just hearing him say, um, I forget exactly what he was, but he was like like fantasy rock or something like that. He had said like right at the beginning of the video, and I was like, as soon as he said that, it kind of like the how the vocals were and the, like how it played with the instrumentation kind of made a little bit more sense when you yeah. approach it from that like kind of power metal sort of you know glory metal kind of stance and instead of looking at it like a stoner record you know yeah i, I thought that was kind of like because uh, i heard a lot of new wave of british heavy metal like yeah and you know especially like yeah kind of that like glory british glory metal you know yeah you know like like judas priest even though my my buddy's a 
big new wave of British met- heavy metal fan. It's like Judas Priest isn't new wave of British heavy metal. And I'm like, I mean, but <clears throat> you know, it's got that, it's got that, that vibe that, you know, like fist in the air, yeah, like real swanky. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's got a strut to it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, and I, I don't want it to, you know, come off like I, I didn't like the vocals or anything. Like I said it was just, it was kind of like the one thing that I noticed that wasn't like, because like you like like even they said in that thing like they made a very cohesive piece of music like all the way through it works that the album you put it on and it plays it plays very cohesively all the way to the end the, the dynamics are all at the right time and everything works perfectly it and then the vocals just kind out. of stood out and it. It wasn't negatively stated. They just stood out. Yeah. Eddie, what were you going to say? No, I was just with the, with the like, new wave of British heavy metal kind of vibe with the, like, riffing that on the open air string, catching notes while the A is open, that kind of vibe. That's what I was getting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's a lot of, of those, like, hallmarks of that, that kind of 80s. Yeah. Cause, cause you meant, you know, Rob, you mentioned like that, that seventies, like, you know, power of rock and roll type stuff. I almost heard like late seventies, but more like early eighties metal in this, the good shit, not like warrant or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is interesting now knowing kind of their background of like all the different elements they've combined because there is like kind of this throwback, but it also, you know, is experimental. But it's also like I, I would say that, you know, fantasy and doom is is almost the opposite of like punk and stuff like that. So, you know, to see all those different things come together on a record is, is pretty interesting. But the key there is punks and metalheads have the same dirty secret. And that's that we're all a bunch of fucking nerds. Listen, I'm not a nerd. You're a nerd, all right? <laughs> You're a nerd. <laughs> just, just de facto. Yeah, it's just different patches on the denim vests. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I did love the artwork. Uh, I wanted to bring that up because it, it fits this whole thing that they're doing really, really well. Oh, ab- the aesthetic was tits. Yeah, it, it was spot on from, aesthetic. from start to finish. <laughs> And um, it was actually done by two, well, actually like three different people. So the art itself was done by uh, Jerry Hyonis, I think. Um, he goes by Wormwalk on Instagram, um, W-Y-R-M, Wormwalk. And the logo was done by Daniel Porta from the Fit Forge. And then there was another person that did the actual layout of it. Uh, let me see if I can find that real quick. Uh, Chris Allison, I believe. That's, uh, I believe Chris is with King Volume. Okay. So, I mean, you know, that that's pretty unique in itself. I mean, it takes multiple people to put something like this together, but it, it fits everything really, really well. This looks like, uh, like a heavy metal record from the early 80s or something. I mean, the colors, the yeah. like chrome logo, the fantasy of it all, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it just, just like, like screams like 1979 to 1982 to me. Yeah. yeah. Holy yeah. Diver. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean and that's a you know it it's not often that you get an a you know a logo and an aesthetic and a the artwork and just everything works perfectly together. Like that's what the record sounds like is what that Even looks like, you know. The, the the back of the album here, I mean it's kind of small. I guess I can shop stop sharing my screen, but the back of it just their band photo and everything 
And I, I saw them posting kind of the jokes about it. Thing? Huh? The Kill 'em All thing? Yeah, it, it looks kind of exactly like the back of the Kill 'em All record. And I don't know if that was decided ahead of time or if it was a coincidence. I mean, it, it, it's awfully close if it wasn't decided ahead of time. But it's true. I mean, it's like it looked exactly like it, just down to the last detail. Just the font, the layout, the clothes, the this, this straightforward look photo. You know, like everything about it just kind of like it really fits. They they thought about this project from start to finish and, and executed, you know. Yeah, it, it all works really well together, and it, that's that's tough to do. It really is. It's tough to get the right artwork for the right, and like even down to like their guitar tone fits the aesthetic. You know, like just everything, and just, it's 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 all it's a like cohesive is absolutely the best word to describe it. It's just it all it all works. It all plays well together. It's just so cohesive. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, like I I I knew about Fairy Ring over a, like a year and a half ago and it was because they posted something on instagram and it just happened to like catch a hashtag it was like you know doom metal or something like that and it came up on my feed and it kind of goes back to all this stuff like the attention to details experimenting you know doing it right with the right equipment and and like he was talking about recording the on the tape and then playing it back through the radio and all this kind of stuff so the photos they had shared like a, a two years ago was this amp that they took out into like the woods and they smashed a guitar like through the amp and they wanted to take this photo of it and they wanted to use the photo. I think it was maybe for a t-shirt or I don't know what it was. And I remember looking at it and being like, you could, you know, you could just Photoshop that, right? Like you don't have to destroy an amp or a guitar through this. Like it's so easy to do this on a computer. I could have helped you do that for, for nothing. <laughs> and I, I don't remember what I commented, but was like, you know, Photoshop exists, you know? And they responded like, yeah, but it, you know, it, it just wouldn't be the same. Like it, it's got to be like this this way, you know. And they did it right. And at the time, I just thought like, wow, I I would have just photoshopped it personally. But now, like, kind of listening to this record and hearing them talk about it and hearing that attention to details and shit, like it all kind of makes more sense. Mm -hmm. So one thing that was interesting um, <clears throat> is that the guy who recorded them, like, have have any of you guys really listened to Coven very much? Um, I, I used to be in a math rock band a few years ago and I got really into like, dude, it's so much fun to play that stuff, man. <laughs> it's so much fun. Um, but so I kind of like started dipping my toes into that, like, you know, really sweet, picky guitar nerdy stuff. And, um, I forget what that girl's name is from that band, but she's an amazing guitar player. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't listened to it in a long time now. Yeah, so if, if it's the Coven I'm thinking of, because I, I think there might be multiple Covens, uh, Coven predates Black Sabbath. They, they came out with their first album like a year before Black Sabbath did, and their vocalist, um, she's always been like, yeah, Black Sabbath like ripped us off. Uh, like Coven even had a song, I believe, called on, the, on their first album called Black Sabbath. Oh. Um, very occult, devil's triad, all that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> and so if it's the same coven that I'm thinking of, and I could sound like an absolute asshole in, you know, when this is released. Um, but I think it shows an interesting appreciation for the history of the genre that they uh, they had someone in that band record them. Yeah. Wow. If that is, if that does end up being the same coven, which I I would love to be wrong on this one, but I, I would assume it's probably the newer coven because those dudes are probably in their seventies, you know. 
I was trying to do the math. Yeah, they've got to be pretty pretty old at this point. That's what I think of when I think of Coven, at least. So. Yeah, there, yeah, there's a newer band, Coven. Um, the girl's name is Yvette Young, I believe. Um, and she just is, she's just a phenomenal guitar player. But I also could be very wrong, too. I'm in a band called Hastronaut, so it's, it's not really <laughs> brain's operation over here. <laughs> this is why, Ryan, we need, we need like a full-time producer to start looking these things up for us. So none of us I know. Yeah. So we're I just know. not being like, oh, what's this dumb high thing I think I know? Yeah. <laughs> I like we've done pretty good so far, though. I mean, there were some interesting little tidbits in here. So I think we've done all right. <laughs> I have to get fact-checked. <laughs> yeah. So it, the album before this, does anyone know the album before this? I was just curious. It, I is it... actually am not. This was my first. Um, this was my first experience with Fairy Ring. So I, was I didn't... their last album kind of like cohesive like this from concept? Like is it... level? No, no. This this is in one of the things that I've enjoyed in doing this podcast for as long as we have is that a lot of times I've noticed a trend where we have chosen like a second or a third album. Um, and this is part of that trend. <clears throat> and it really shows in this album, you know, and th this is not like a diss on their, their first album, but they took a really big step forward uh, in terms of the cohesiveness of the sound, in terms of just the recording. Um, the riffs are a lot heavier, I feel like, this time. So there, there's definitely a step forward. And, and you can tell that they're really, really thinking about how to construct an album now. Mm. <clears throat> um, you know, like uh, a friend of mine one, once told me, like, the first album that a band releases is the album they've been writing their entire lives. And the second album they write is the first album that they write when they know how to write. Um, and, and I think that kind of carries through to, to, to fairy ring, you know, like they, they really, I know we say this all the time, but they matured, you know, um, they, they grew, they, they got better as musicians better as writers, better as riff writers, vocal vocal pattern writers, melodic writers, lyricists, all of that. At some point we should do an album that's not mature at all. It's just fucking just chaos and amateurish and and just do something the Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah, I would love to do Cowboys and Aliens. Yes. That great suggestion, Blake. Let's do that. Yeah. In fact, let's let's do that for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy in 2 weeks, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I unfortunately didn't um, didn't know about these guys, and you know, until this album, you know, it wasn't right when the album dropped. You know, I I found out about these guys when they you know started promoting this album, <clears throat> and I listened to a little bit of their older stuff, just you know, in kind of preparation for this episode. But I wasn't as familiar with Blake as Blake was, and uh, it's kind of a bummer because I, I would have loved to have like seen that progression and like you know gotten a taste of their earlier stuff to like you know, be even that much more impressed now with the product that they're putting out because, I mean, it's it's a great album, you know? It's, it's uh, like I said, it's just super duper cohesive. Yeah. It would have been nice to see a little bit of that evolution, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. That was my first time hearing them too, just for this podcast. 
really blown away though. Love the album. Yeah, I, I saw lots and lots of people talking about it on, on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. So it seems to be doing pretty well. I think it did all right on the Doom charts. I don't remember where it came in on the Doom charts. Five. Five? Okay. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't remember hearing a whole lot about them prior to this. So it seems like it was a big step forward and a lot of people have noticed that. So yeah, they they're, like, definitely, they're blowing up. Hard rock album on Bandcamp for a few days. Oh, shit. Nice. <clears throat> yeah. When it first came out, they were above like some pretty notable bands. Awesome. Yeah. So you, you had whirlwind, man. They're definitely they're blowing up. Yeah. You had mentioned um, like lyrics um, in their maturity. So to take a, a big leap into immaturity, I decided to do a little uh, lyric game here. Just a few. Um, let me see. So here's a lyric from their their album. And you guys can decide what you think the, the missing lyric is. Silverman pulled out his blank, raised it to the sky. Did the Silverman pull out his axe, his wiener, his teeth, or his sword? It's got to be wiener. I'd say wiener for sure. I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's wiener. We'll see just how mature these guys are, I guess. It's axe. It's not wiener. Would have been better with Wiener. Sorry. Guys. Yeah. I mean, we should have known there's a big silver axe on the cover of the album, not a big silver Wiener. So it's <laughs> unfortunate. I can help them with that, though, if they'd like me to slightly fuzz their album. Maybe on the, next, the, next, the next one. They got, you know. Maybe they're really into Freud and they were like, hey, it's an axe. <laughs> <laughs> Tantalizing fever in my blank will explode if I let go. Tantalizing Wiener. fever in my head. In my wiener, in my mind, or in my loins. This one must be wiener. Yeah, be this, this one's got to be wiener for sure. Tantalizing fever in their loins. <laughs> that, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's in their mind. Wrong again. All right. <laughs> Stare at the devil in your mind. Will I let him blank me? Wiener me. <laughs> Will I let him bang me? Cuddle me, kill me, or guide me. I hope it's cuddle. Yeah, they seem like like cuddly guys. Yeah, cuddle with the devil. It's actually guide. He's oh, gonna guide. We were him. so close. <laughs> if Wiener okay. was only an option. Oh no, I ruined it already. Uh -oh. Ruined the game. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one too. I'm surprised. <laughs> Eleven fifty nine. About fucking time to show your boobs. Show your Dude, boobs. <laughs> Show yourself or your boobs. Clearly D, not A or B. Yeah, I'm going D. Well, it's in fact yourself. Show yourself. Bob always goes with the D. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess they're they're more mature than I, at least. Yep. I would have just gone wieners and boobs the whole time. <laughs> the astronaut story. Mm, you know, so that's the name of the new record. It's just you heard it here first. <laughs> Boobs and wieners. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else we'd like to say about Fairy Rings Weary Traveler? Um, I'm excited to see where they go from here. Um, you know, it's kind of like I was just saying, it's kind of kind of a bummer that I didn't know about these guys beforehand and I didn't get to watch a little bit more of their progression, but I'm glad I'm on board now. I'm, I'm is there anything you think they go that, from here? 
they should work on for the next one? Do you think that they, there's room for improvement anywhere? Is I mean, it... there's always room for improvement. I Like I said, I think, you know, really the only criticism I had of the album was how the lyrics sounded, how the vocals sounded with the music. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was maybe, you know, the effects they were using or just because they used all these, you know, ancient archaic recording techniques. Um, but... You know, it, it it really, other than that, I don't, you know, the riffage is great. It's super cohesive. Their tone is awesome. Um, you know, the aesthetic is there. The lyrics are there. You know, everything, you know, it's, it's, it's got a really nice bow on it. And like I said, just mm-hmm. other than that, um, just, you know, the, the vocal mix, I guess I would say. I don't even really know what to call it. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I'll, I'll just say what I always <clears throat> say for every album, except for Yob and Electric Wizard, and that's Go Heavier. <laughs> I was gonna say it'd be cool to hear like a, a slower, almost almost an acoustic track with with no effect on the vocals, and uh, just everything dialed back. Yeah, just for yeah. one track. Yeah, add, add a little light and shade. That would yeah. be well. Yeah, we you know we didn't really break it down song by song, but um, there was one song on here that I really um, the endless color dope purple that one. That one is definitely my favorite one because it kind of has, it doesn't really go full acoustic, but it definitely has a lot more dynamic where it gets really soft and really quiet at parts and, yeah. and builds all the way back up. That's my favorite one. Too. Yeah, it's a really good song. That's, that's kind of seems like a consensus. That's my favorite as well. It's a great track. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if I was going to tell them to work on anything, I'd be like, besides going heavier, always go heavier. Um, is... Uh, just working some more on on the dynamics, you know, um, because there, I don't I don't see this as a problem with this album, but I think it's it's a real fine line between having flow and being one note, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't think that this album is one note at all. I think it flows very nicely, but that's a very dangerous game to play as a musician, you know. Especially in this genre, it's really easy to just control so. yourself. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again to to King Volume for 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 this one and uh, Fairy Ring and James for the video and stuff. That was awesome. So yeah, appreciate it. Everybody, go check out Fairy Ring. Let's go around a little bit, and you can and tell everybody what you're up to. Blake, you want to kick that off for us? Yeah. Uh... Unfortunately, I'm kind of at that point where there's a lot of things in the works that I can't uh, quite speak on quite yet. Um, but uh, King Volume will have some some news about my record coming out in uh, coming weeks and months. So no date, no date for a first single or anything yet, or that you can uh, share that you can share with us. Fair? No. Okay. Fair enough. But uh, you know, stay tuned and you know. Give a follow and uh, hopefully uh, look forward to uh, this being a cool year. Right on. We are too. We're looking forward to it. Yeah, stoked for some new eyewash, definitely. Rob? Yes. Um, coming up soon, we're going to, we're recording, we're going to finish recording our full length. Um, we're kind of doing a split recording at Green Door here in Denver, and then we're going up to Helveta in Portland to finish out some guitars and stuff. Um, we got a couple dates with Bong Wizard coming up, um, doing a little weekender with those guys, uh, 
June 21st, we're in Denver at the Crypt. And then June 22nd, we're in Laramie, Wyoming at the Roughed Up Duck with those guys. Um, and then Definitely July, just following. back to stuff. Back to smoking weed and writing riffs. <laughs> Eddie? Uh, the only thing that's in the works right now is um, the Endless has a gig coming up July 22nd at Black Bar uh, with Mongo Doom and Kill His Son. Oh, before, hell yeah. Before we go to the studio in August. Heck yeah. Cool. Right on, guys. That was cool. Um, appreciate it. Like I said, everybody, uh, thanks for, for making this episode cool with the video and all that kind of stuff. So we'll uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Sweet. Absolutely. Later. See you guys. Later. <laughs>